JV Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 34 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about machine learning's role in insurance with Zara Cataltepe from Tazi. InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific technologies we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Back in a second. Day. The hurricanes have passed in Texas for now. We have clear blue skies finally after a week of rain here in central Texas. And it's a, a gorgeous Friday here uh, we, as we record this. It's Friday, September 25th, 2020. That's right. This dumpster fire of a year is getting close to being over. We're almost in the fourth quarter of uh, 2020. Definitely not the year any of us thought it was going to be. We had to modify all of our one-year goals and, and and do all kinds of adjusting, but that's okay. We will survive. We will survive. And with me, of course, as always, my co-host, the illustrious Rob Galbraith. Rob, how's it going? It's going, man. It's going. I guess that's the answer every week these days. So good to see you again, James. Good to see you, too. Good to see you, too. We're glad to have with us from the beautiful state of California, a little, little smoky state. Everything kind of have a, probably has a smoky smell right now. Uh, all those forest fires over there. It's been quite a quite a wild ride the last few weeks over in California. With us from California, Zara Cataltepe from Tazi. Zara, go so good to see you on the show today. Good to see you guys too. Very happy to be here. Yeah, um, right. and I look forward to you know more sunny skies here and blue skies in California. Obviously, yeah, no more no more orange skies, please. I mean, it looked like the apocalypse sometimes when. In the- when the smoke was in the sky, and we, we of course everybody on the internet saw all those pictures. You are in the Bay Area, is that correct? Yes, yes, I'm in Los Gatos. So, so we have seen, you know, red sun, red suns, and uh, <laughs> you know, the, the first time I could take the blue sky picture, I shared it with everyone. Look, the sky is blue today. Yeah. So, so, so for the last couple of days, we have been getting out, seeing the blue sky, thanking God, and. You know, returning back to our lives. So, so we didn't know it was such a blessing before. Exactly, it is a blessing, and you're you are in such a beautiful part. I mean, Los Gatos is like right there at the gateway to get down yes. to Santa Cruz and to go yes. down to the coast and go see Monterey and Carmel. And I mean, it's I yes. I absolutely love that part of the country. My great aunt lived in Carmel most of her life and so i'd go visit her in carmel by the sea we go to the monterey bay aquarium i mean just oh such a beautiful place definitely i I totally agree you know i i one of my favorites is capitola i i hadn't ever been there until a couple of months ago and just just lovely little towns here and there and then carmel is one of the famous ones most famous ones but every one of them is unique you know so so definitely worth seeing and there is always almost a 10 degree difference between uh, like inland and the uh, and the beach, yeah. Uh, and and beach is actually warmer during winter. Did you know that? Yeah, the ocean moderates the temperatures there. It's wild. I mean, the closer you live to the ocean, you actually get a a more moderate temperature. But it's still not still not exactly an ocean you'd want to go for a swim in without a 
a dry suit or a wet suit on. (laughs) It gets a little cold there. You know, California has been in the news a lot lately for forest fires and all kinds of things. But this week was in the news for something that was really interesting and really impacts insurance. Uh, we we have I, I I'm actually going to start with this, then we're going to jump into the show because I feel like it's so timely. The governor of California, Gavin Newsom, announced that by 2035, all cars have to be all new cars have to be electric. No more no more combustion engines allowed in the state of California 15 years from now. And then they 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 said that the freight and you know the, the the larger vehicles will be 2045 so 15 years for the passenger cars and then another uh 25 years for the larger cars but this is a pretty major you know california can add 38 million people uh pretty large consumer market so it has a, a big impact on the plans that large companies make uh zara th- this had to be a, a topic of frequent discussion there in california yeah i mean but my question is why wait that long to be honest with you i mean you know like one of the things i see you know, I, I think after covid we realized that uh, we don't really have to impact the environment this much i mean uh, so 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 i mean i will i think we are we are even late later than uh, you know where we should have been and and I see a very similar trend in AI. So, so, so just because we have, uh, you know, GPUs, TPUs, people think that we can just irresponsibly uh, create thousands of models that we don't need, and and we should just not do that. I mean, we should be just responsible to the environment. And 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 COVID has shown us that actually we can live by consuming less. We can live by polluting less. And, and I hope, you know, I hope we actually do the electric cars even earlier. Yeah, it'd be nice. Certainly, there are some use cases that this law, of course, the law of unintended consequences will drive some uh, some challenging effects, like by people who drive several hundred miles a day. There, There is not an electric car on the market that will work for them. And so there's got there's got to be some accommodation for, for that. But and I imagine the value of, uh, of uh, used uh, combustion and engine cars in California will go up because uh, of the people that need those. But th- there's going to be all kinds of interesting things that occur. I-, I agree. Some, you know, I typically like to let the market play out, but in some cases, you know, you, you have to you have to nudge the market along to move on to its next step in the evolution. And I, I mean, I love electric vehicles. I think they're fan fantastic. They're absolutely amazing. I'm watching a really great series right now on Apple uh, TV. I promise we're going to get to talking about InsureTech. Although this, this impacts InsureTech because electric cars typically carry with them automation packages that will drive automotive insurance rates down. And we can talk about that in a minute because that's directly tied to machine learning and AI. Great series on TV right now on Apple TV Plus with uh, Ewan McGregor the uh, famous Scottish actor who, of course, from uh, Star Wars and uh, all kinds of other uh, t- uh, movies, he, he, he's riding with his buddy. He did two other around-the-world journeys, but this one's from the southern tip of Argentina in Chile and in, in, uh, Tierra del Fuego all the way up to Los Angeles on two electric motorcycles that are prototype electric motorcycles Harley-Davidson built just for the journey. And they're using uh, two Detroit-built, and this was the cool tie-in to Michigan, Rob, they had two Rivians, which are uh, the the all-electric truck that's built in Michigan. So Rivian delivered unit number, VIN number one and VIN number two for this movie. And Harley-Davidson de- delivered VIN number one and two of their motorcycle. And so they, they went to Milwaukee and they went to Detroit. 
and they picked up the vehicles and they shipped them down to Tierra del Fuego and they installed charging points along the way and they're doing all electric all the way from Tierra del Fuego all the way to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it is wow. super cool. They, they ran into some pretty big problems in parts of Argentina and, and then they document how they dealt with it. I mean, it's really, really fascinating view of the future of electric vehicles. But we talk a lot about electric and automated vehicles because it, it's going to have a massive impact on auto insurance. Before we get into that, remember that you can you can subscribe to the InsureTech Geek podcast by texting geek out to 66866. Make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe to our weekly emailer and we'll send you the show notes. We transcribe those and then we send you the link to the video because we're video now, by the way, if you haven't watched the video. Uh, and then we have our, our audio episodes. Back to you, Zara. We're going to talk about Atazi AI. We're going to talk about how artificial intelligence machine learning is impacting the insurance space. Before that, I want to have a brief discussion about you. You have a really interesting background. You grew up in rural Turkey, and then you 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 definitely are, are very well educated, went to comp engineering at Belkent University, and then you went to got your master's and PhD in computer science from Caltech. Just walk me through growing up in rural Turkey, a uh, family of farmers. What about what led you to computer science and what led you to Caltech and, and InsureTech? Uh, well, uh, so, so I had a father and mother who just believed in me. So, so I mean, whoever, whatever your income level is, if you just let your children be and if you trust them, they will do just so many great things. I, I definitely believe in that. So, so, so they always told me, you know, do what you like to do. And if you fail, we are here. So, so, so that confidence was just so great. And, and I chose computer engineering. I could have been a doctor. I just couldn't memorize stuff. So, so I have such a horrible memory. I want, my mom wanted me to be a doctor and to help people. But I, I just said, I can't do it. I can't memorize stuff. So I decided to become a computer engineer. I, I really loved math. And I chose AI during... Uh, my BS uh, project years because uh, I, I had great role models who loved what they were doing and uh, and I actually wanted to uh, have an AI that was like human. At those times, there was Japanese fifth generation project where people were using rule based models, you know, to mimic humans, etc. And and then I came to Caltech. I worked with Yasser Abu Mustafa, who is one of the pioneers in machine learning, uh, and and his love for AI also was so inspiring. Then I, you know, I, I worked in industry. I moved to academia. And then we established Tazi. And, and with Tazi, the, the machine learning solution that we provide is such a, such a perfect fit for insurance industry. We chose insurance for that reason. And I can talk more about that later. Yeah, well, we, could, we can chat about it now. I mean, tell me what Tazi does. Like, what, what exactly sure. would you say that it does, right? It's, it's AI. Okay, well, AI is... A super, super giant, broad, massive umbrella that can apply to just about anything in computer science at this point, right? I mean, yes. you... Yes, um, yes, to anything. Yeah, and, and and really, we're not talking about general AI. You're not developing general AI. You're using specific forms of AI, specifically machine learning and other techniques to solve specific problems in insurance. Because general AI, for those of you who don't know the difference between general AI and specific AI, general AI is... Uh, we're thinking like HAL from 2001, A Space Odyssey, right? I mean, you have a you have a sentient computer that is uh, functionally self-aware, can learn, grow, think, uh, you know, like a human. That's not what we're talking about. And and whenever we talk about AI, that's not what that that's by by many people's estimates, 20 to 30 years in the future. 
As far as we know, it hasn't happened yet. And, and so really what we're dealing with right now is a form, specific forms of AI like natural language processing, image recognition, um, speech processing, you know, te- you know, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, I mean, all, you, you name it. You know, a sentiment analysis is really common, reading free text. I mean, there's a lot of different forms of specific AI. And, uh, you know, machine learning uh, for, for our listeners is, is when you teach a machine to learn um, rather than explicitly programming every potential outcome. So Arthur Lee Samuel in the 1950s and 60s was one of the pioneers of machine learning and really taught, and he was one of you know, many people who worked on this, but he taught a machine how to play checkers against itself. And then it used those games to learn how to win. And then it played the world checkers champion and won. And so that was the, those are kind of the seeds of machine learning. So walk me through what Tazzy does, what specific forms of AI it uses and what platforms it sits on. Let's get technical. Sure. Okay. So, so we established Tazi in 2005 with my co-founder uh, and my husband, Tanju. So I'm, I told him, I don't want to establish a company with you because you know, I want you to be my husband and you know, we might have fights when we established this company. You know, for the last five years, we didn't have any fights, but you know, uh, we, we created this great technology, which was inspired by the problem of adaptation. So, so, so think of COVID-19. Uh, machine learning systems, you know, as you said, uh, James, so they learn from data, right? So, so, so and, and the machine learning systems that we are talking about in insurance, they are not just differentiating apples from oranges or, you know, uh, cats from dogs. Uh, they are trying to differentiate risky customer from not risky customer, the loyal customer versus the customer who is about to leave you. So, so, so those are changing concepts. So, so we realized that in real industry, solutions were being deployed and people used a lot of you know, data science resources, business resources to have those deployed solutions. And, and solutions could not live long because life changed and it took as much effort to create, as, to update a solution as to create one. So, so we, we decided to establish Tazi as a self-maintaining AI system, a system it is deployed and can learn from the data in many ways automatically without needing lots of you know cranking so 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 we yeah we so well and, and by that you mean space. not not a ton of yes. human intervention in the way of hinting yes. have have having having people hint and train uh, and that that that's what machine learning algorithms have kind of become famous for is you have uh you know, hundreds of people in offshore offices constantly hinting all these systems and then supplementing them. That's not what we're talking about with when you when you refer to auto ML. Yes. So 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 auto ML uh, auto ML concept uh, hinting is actually good, and I'll tell you why it's good in a minute. So 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 auto ML platforms are for data scientists. Okay. So so they are aiming to make the data science tasks easier. But we realized after having this continuous learning technology and deploying it in customers, we realized that it was just not enough to work as data scientists because insurance is such a complex business. As a data scientist, I might say, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm a data scientist person. Like I'm, I'm just a technical person who is learning insurance. Okay, So I might make mistakes, correct me. You know, Rob is here as the insurance expert and you are here. So so, so, so I will make mistakes, okay? But, but what I realized, what we realized in insurance was, as, as a data scientist, you might 
find a solution, but that solution might not be serving your return on investment. You know, it might it must it might not be serving the business KPIs, and and the and the business KPIs change. You know, today I might uh, you know want more customers. Tomorrow I want I might I might want less risky customers, or I might want want customers who want to use my new product. So so while those KPIs changed, and while the data that the customers produced and and what they wanted changed, it was just impossible to have an AI system that worked only with data scientists. So 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 our customers started asking for, hey, I want to understand how this AI works. And these people are insurance professionals. We are talking about underwriters, pricing experts, sales and marketing experts, not necessarily data scientists. So 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 they asked for explanations. And on a Sunday morning, you know, I I came up with this. Uh, I, I, we, we are using some open source uh, tools, and I was able to uh, interleave our continu- continuous machine learning with explainability. And I, I still remember that morning. I'm like, hey, guys, look, it's so beautiful. I, 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 I don't have time. I would love to show it to you. And I want Robert Downey Jr. to use our explanation model. It, it really looks like Iron Man. Nice. So, so, so if, if, he, if he hears me, my wish is to have him use my <laughs> models, our models one day. So, so, so we are actually turning every insurance professional into iron human in, in the sense that they are empowered because they are able to understand machine learning. And then we realized after the explanation came, hey, I understand this and not I can make it better because, because you know, you are using these features, these variables in your model, but I know the other variables that can contribute. And then, you know, you are making mistakes here. You shouldn't include Porsches in that risk model, for example. So, so when insurance professionals saw how models worked, uh, we realized that they could help in two different, three different ways. Uh, define very timely business KPIs and make sure that they are being followed by the models, monitor them. The second one is during model creation, fast forward the process by uh, pointing out to what should be used in terms of data. Uh, and then the third, actually to uh, to help the models learn better. So, so what you are describing is was, was a negative thing, but what we are doing is a positive thing. For example, if I know that restaurants will be closed in a certain area in town, I might actually uh, suggest uh, some rebates or actually maybe even increases in insurance premiums based on whether uh, delivery is more common or not in that area. And, and models don't know that yet because there is no data generated yet for that. So, so the insurance professionals are actually able to, you know, underwriters are able to intervene with the models when there is no data. So, so we call this learning from, uh, from past is batch machine learning, which is a state-of-the-art insurance right now and in, in machine learning. What we are doing is learning from today with continuous learning. And if you put those, you know, 30 years of, tens of years of in, experienced insurance professional uh, with the models, you get learning from the future. And, and that's just so exciting, like having that, having that whole loop. So, so, so we are, we are, our, our vision is to have not just data scientists, but, but insurance professionals themselves using machine learning and being in the process so that models are useful, not from the beginning, not just from the beginning, but all the time.
and and it's a very difficult and, and insurance professionals are really the perfect match because because their life depends on predict predictions because they have been predicting they have been dealing with data and models all the time so 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 they are the perfect fit and and insurance is such an underserved sector in terms of AI they are ready you know and 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 we are uh, we are making data scientists more efficient and insurance insurance experts involved so that models are working all the time and if they are not working you know that they are not working and you know ways to make them better so so yeah i mean i'm, I'm just so too excited sorry about that so so if i if i start talking about this i'll i'll never stop rob that's good for a podcast yeah it's uh zara it's great to to see you again and i, I wanted to know just a little bit more on your background coming from the world of academia and then, you know, you talked about you really wanted to make this practical, you wanted to make this accessible, and you decided to go the route of a, a startup rather than, you know, go work at an insurance carrier firm. Uh, so maybe just talk a little bit more about how you made the transition. And then, you know, I'm sure in academia, because you have such a foundational and, and you know, theoretical knowledge and you very steeped in AI, you've talked about the opportunities in insurance. So I'm just kind of curious a little bit more like why insurance versus, you know, some, some other sectors, which of course AI has applicability in a whole lot of different industries. Very good question. So uh, first of all, like I'll, I'll answer why insurance and then I'll answer, maybe I'll answer why, why not academia. So I love being an academician. I mean, my, my advisor Yasser uh, used to tell us, Hey, I'm having so much fun, and they are even paying me for this. So, so I feel the same way when I interact with my students, with, you know, with my, you know, thesis students doing research, especially. Uh, however, when you do academia, you are more or less in a uh, in an experimentation and uh, research phase. And 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 as Tazi, uh, we are involved in two European Union projects. One of them is on digital twins. The other one is on explainable AI. So, 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 so that research, I think, has to always be with a startup because, because, you know, we are racing against, you know, huge elephants, you know, like billions of dollars of worth companies are our competitors. How can we survive against them? Uh, research is the only way. I mean, we have to always uh, be doing the state of the art research. Our advantage as a startup, as a, as a, as a research enhanced research superpowered startup is because in our team we have people who have research background and also applications background so so we are able to uh, come up with an idea and actually bring that into being a part of our solution in a very short time so so we can listen to our customers we can identify what the problem is and how we can solve it as a product or or using what kind of AI. And we are able to implement that in a very short time. And we can do that only because we have research as well as development. So 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 and 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 the excitement of you know seeing something that you do being used by an insurance professional and getting that praise is just so amazing. You know, uh, so 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 writing papers as an academician doing projects is just so awesome, and I, I have done very rewarding work. I have worked with 
you know, students with ADHD and autism, for example, you know, I have I have done very interesting stuff, but but having what you have done, like being used by by people to improve their business processes, to improve their understanding of their customers, and and seeing that light is just just so rewarding. So so I so so that's why we did this transition from academia to to being a startup. Uh, and and I did work in you know huge companies. I mean, like I had worked at Siemens Corporate Research. My uh, husband and co-founder he worked at Bell Labs uh, for many years. Uh, and 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 those are great institutions, but they are institutions. I mean, it's it's hard to uh, hard to see what you're thinking being a part of your product and being used in in a, in a large institution. And and a startup gives you exactly that. You can see the problem and solve it in a week. So so. so so wow, I mean, like this is like super, super, super empowering. So, so, so I, I just can't exchange that with anything else right now. Uh, in terms of insurance, we actually it took us such a long time to find insurance. We started with, believe it or not, uh, we started with uh, uh, telematics. Actually, we also thought about uh, gaming industry, uh, uh, like ga- computer games, uh, and then. Uh, and then it was just hard to uh, develop business and, and to find real business value there. So, so uh, with insurance, on the other hand, uh, we found uh, great traction. So, so we have two customers in insurance, two European international insurance companies. And for them, they signed up right after COVID. And we have been able to increase their revenues because of our customer retention solution. So, 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 so there is such a such a great traction and uh, such a such a nice fit, both in terms of the difficulty of the business and, and hence the need to include business in the solutions, and also the continuous change and hence the need for a, a self-adapting model. So 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 for that reason, it's a great fit. But insurance is the first industry that we are uh, we are solving problems in, and and finance, for example manufacturing these are all very interesting uh, and and healthcare you know these are all very interesting other verticals but we are a startup we have to concentrate and and insurance we found good traction and and a very nice fit uh, so so we want to keep keep doing this yeah so zara let's break it down to simple terms an insurance company signs up with you let's say you you say that you have auto insurance life so you have auto insurance, profitability Open. and growth. You have profitability yes. and growth detection, and you have claims prediction, and then you have life insurance claims prediction. Those are the three. Those are the three main service lines you have listed on your on your website, at least. So walk me through. I'm an auto insurance company, and I call up Tazzy and I say, "Please come help me." What's it going to look like for them to work with you and and their tools? And then what's the end result for them? Like what what's the What's the out? Let's just talk about outcomes. What, what's what, sure, what, sure. what's the problem they're experiencing that leads them to talk to you? And what's the outcome when they're done? Yes, sure. So, so first of all, as I said, we did more than 30 use cases and we are listing all our use cases on our website. And, and those are use cases with customers. But right now we are concentrating on especially auto insurance and, and for auto insurance customer loyalty. So, so we are talking with especially mid-level insurance companies and and the, the, there are a number of pain points one of them is customer retention so so they have a lot of problems with customer retention especially post covid 
and, and and we should say during COVID. Unfortunately, COVID is not post. So well, so 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 during COVID, uh, they see lots of customer retention problems. So 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 we uh, have a, an initial conversation. We show them our demo, and then and then business always has to be in included in the process. We cannot just be talking with the BI teams. So 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 we have this three by three solution. If your data is machine learning ready in three weeks, uh, you have a solution, not just a toy model. You have a solution in three weeks where you can see the results, you know, where, whether there is predictability, and you can also see whether there is a return on investment. So, so uh, because return investment requires some kind of a prescription, right? So, so I can't just sit down and cry if my customers are leaving me. I have to have some set of actions. So what can you do if your customer is leaving you? Well, you know, you can see if you can give some rebates as, as most insurance companies are doing right now. Uh, or you can see if you have new products to offer. Uh, you can see if there is a mismatch between with the agency. Uh, and you can also take a look and see what your competition is doing. Uh, and and see if you can offer even new and better products. So 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 we are able to actually keep the pulse of the customers with the customer retention model, and then the actions that can be taken can be taken by the upsell cross sell models, you know, uh, price elasticity models, and so on. So 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 in three months, you would have a deployed solution with the ROIs in your hands. So so that's what we are offering. And you have a deployed solution that helps you make better decisions on claims when they get intake. So you you have a you have an auto claim that's intake, and you can set the reserve better. I mean, is that the is that the end yeah. outcome? Is you're going to do a better job on reserve setting? I, well, I, I don't. Well, for, for we are not right now. We are using claim risk uh, prediction as a uh, as a uh, as a step in our customer loyalty solution. So 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 our claim risk predictor. Uh, just aims to say whether you know Zehra is a, a risky customer or not. So only if the risk is less, you should be offering uh, stuff to your customer. Because if, if the customer is a high risk customer, then maybe you should rethink on what you need to offer. So 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 I'll, I'll give an example in terms of customer loyalty. So 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 if the customer is going to leave you, what are the things that you can do? I'll ask Ralph because you know you guys are the insurance experts more than me. So. So, so, so based on a different different states, right? You know, if you are in Michigan or if you are in California, uh, there are different things that you can offer to your customers if the customer is going to leave. So, so what are they? So, so, so I mean, you cannot always give a, a reduction. You cannot always give a rebate, right? Or you cannot reduce the prices because some of the things are uh, regulated. But uh, you can. The, the customer retention model tells you why the customer is leaving you. Is it the price? Is it the experience with the product or is it the agency? Those are things that we have seen so far as, as root causes of why the person is leaving you. There might be other things that we will see, but those seem to be uh, quite prominent right now. Does that answer your question, James? Yes, absolutely it does. I mean, we're trying to understand because I think this can be kind of mystical for some people. 
when they when yeah. they're trying to understand exactly what value it adds and where you know why should yes. they use it? I, you know, it's not just for marketing. Like there's a real practical return. Yes. There's real practical return and value in utilizing machine yes. learning to do things yes. that humans just don't have the time to process. Rob, your thoughts? Yes. yes. Yeah, and just to add on to that, so this problem is very interesting, particularly on the customer loyalty. You know, based on previous experience, I've learned a few things over the years. Number one, the people that complain aren't always the people that cancel, which is very interesting. And so oftentimes companies will actually spend a lot of time uh, trying to, you know, help those that complain, right, and, and, and take care of them, right? They don't want them to leave, so they'll threaten to cancel. But actually, those are not always the people that cancel. Sometimes the people that cancel just walk away and you never get a chance to talk to them. They never complain. They're just gone one day. And so you don't know that. And so knowing that those are actually two different profiles, and that the people that complain are not necessarily the people that walk out the door, I think is important to know. Uh, the second part is to Zara's point, you know, you kind of have, and this is very crudely defined, but you know, you have people that are loyal that will be with you unless A, you um, price them out, right? You raise their premium enough and it's not just raise it, but raise it by a certain amount, generally 10% or more, I think is what I've seen, or they have a bad claims experience. And unless you do anything to kind of drive them away, they're going to be with you because they don't want to shop their insurance. They're, you know, generally happy, whatever. Then you have people that are always looking to save a buck. So they're constantly churning. So for example, when I worked at USA, one of the things that was tough to get your mind wrapped around was we lost the most members in auto insurance to Geico. And so we're like, oh, Geico is a really tough competitor, government employee insurance company. They actually were started by a former uh, USA employee way back when, back in 1936. So, you know, that was kind of alarming. And then if you say, well, who are we taking the most customers for? The answer was also Geico. And so what you start realizing is that, oh, actually there's people that churn that kind of switch every six months and go from one company to another. And you can spend a lot of money chasing these people we know customer acquisition cost is super high. It costs you know six times as much to acquire a new customer, if not more, than it is to retain uh, an existing customer. And so when you start chasing these people that are going to churn anyway, right, you end up spending a, a lot of money. Whereas those loyal people, you kind of take them for granted, right? And again, those are the people that may be walking out the door tomorrow that you don't even recognize. And so understanding the nuances of those patterns, being able to leverage the AI that Zara is talking about, I think, does have a tremendous value. So Zara, uh, you know, we met in Istanbul last year at the Global InsurTech Summit, and you were part of the, you know, InsurTech Hub. You were one of the startups that presented there, and then obviously you've moved from Turkey to California. Early this year, we even talked about, you know, where's a good place for for you to to, to locate, and obviously you have a history in California, which is great. I mean, I know that you're also part of the Alchemist um, Accelerator in Silicon Valley. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about that journey, kind of the maybe the, the startup community in Turkey. There's several great startups that are there. You know, why you decided to target the U.S. market. You've talked a little bit about it, your success in the EU market. So just tell us a little bit about that journey over the last 18 months. Sure, sure. So so, so we, uh, you know, uh, by the way, I, mean, I, I just love California so much. So, so, so we, we always wanted to, be here, but I guess there is there is always a time for things, and 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 we this this was the time. So 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 obviously Silicon Valley is just such a great place to be as a startup, and and you know if you can do it, you should be in Silicon Valley as a startup. I mean, you should not be in Chicago, you should not be in New York, you should be in, in Silicon Valley. I'm so fighting sorry, words. 
But, you should uh, be in I Texas, Zara. I hate to break it to you. Jersey. But that's... <laughs> I have been in New Jersey. I spent a couple of months in Chicago. Come on, guys. I mean, the dynamism, like, you know, the, the, the whole, like, from the mountains, this whole valley is pulsing, even though there's COVID. I mean, yeah. like, you know, you, you just, you just like, Oh, you know, I, I'm a product manager. I have done like, you know, installations to companies, blah, blah. I mean, like you can just talk with one or two people and you'll find a team in such a short time in Silicon Valley. You know, and, 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 and you know, being a startup, you need a great team. And it, it's really all about human, human power, right? Because, because we have a product, but the product happened because we worked with great people up to now. And, and Silicon Valley has the best resources in terms of, you know, professionals who know how to create a product, how to sell a product, how to make a product useful. So, so, so for that reason, uh, I'm in, I'm in California. And uh, and and Alchemist Accelerator, I mean Ravi, Danielle, you know, those people, I just don't know how to thank them because because in the middle of COVID. They are like, you know, the sun, because, you know, with COVID, everybody were home. It was just so hard to reach out to people, to investors, to customers. And, and with, its, with their mentors, their, I don't know, like they, they, the connections in, in Vault, like we have access to almost 30,000 people who are great experts in very particular things. And, and I can have a, have a meeting with them in just a week, in a, in a, within a week, they will give some time to me because I'm from Alkins. So, so that's that's just such a huge opportunity. I, I I couldn't find it anywhere else. Like nowhere, nowhere I could find that. So, so, so yeah, that's why we are here, and uh, and we are uh, we are seeing lots of interest in insurance uh, companies, especially mid-tier insurance companies, because because you know while the big guys are saying. I have hundreds of millions of, you know, hundreds of millions of people's data. And I guess some of the customers might not be present anymore. But, you know, I have, you know, 100 years of data. I have 150 PhDs in data science. And, and they still need continuous learning because they don't have it yet. But the mid-tier companies, they are really bleeding out. Like, you know, they need a solution yesterday. And, and and we are able to deliver that in such a short time. And, and you know, our, our deal is really clear. You know, give us three weeks. If you don't see anything, money back guarantee. So, so and, and I'm learning how to talk that talk as an academician. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm learning. But, you know, uh, there, is, there is clearly a need. And uh, there are such, uh, you know, agile and uh, wise insurance professionals out there who know their customers, who know their local customers. This is like you know, Amazon versus your, your local uh, shop. And, and, and they do know what the customer needs. And, and, and you know, once we have that matching, I, I'm sure we are going to create great value. So, 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 yeah. Well, so those, all right. Okay. So, so bold words from a, a new Californian. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have, we'll have to challenge you. Oh, we'll, 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 we'll have to, one time. Come we'll, on. we'll have to, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to challenge you with the sheer number of defections to Austin, Texas from Silicon Valley, but that's okay. 
That's okay. That's okay. I, I have friends in Austin, Texas. I have friends in Arizona, and I, and I love those places too. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mention those places. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. Look, look, I I love going to Silicon Valley, and it's wild because you're just driving, even just driving up and down the highway. You're like, oh my gosh, it's li- literally every tech company that you work with. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, so it's let's. Like let's an REM, it's like being in an REM concert. Uh, you know. You can take it a little bit, and then you need to go to the coast, get some rest, and then come back in. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, let's just let's wrap the conversation by talking about the future, because right now you're focusing on the insurance business. Uh, you have auto and life. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about two years from now. What's the big the big stuff you want to work on in the next couple of years? Let's let's finish up by talking about the future. First of all, insurance will be disrupted. I mean, it is being disrupted. There were things like UBI, connected mobility, and those were things that people talked about. And, and we were just thinking they would be here one day. And, and they are here much faster than they would have been if COVID didn't happen. So, so I think, you know, insurance industry will be disrupted and we are going to have more interesting data and we are going to be facing with a lot of different issues that we haven't faced before. So, so you know, our claims process will be different. Our fraud processes will be different. And our customers will require us, you know, to, to, to ensure in different times and in different places and even under different scenarios. Like think of Uber driver's insurance, you know, think of the scooters. So, so, so we will be able to actually compute risk for a person you know, who, who rents a scooter uh, somewhere and then drops off some, some, some other place, and hopefully COVID will be over and tourists will be back in New York. So a, a, another tourist will pick up that scooter and, and we want to insure that tr- tourist as well. So, so we will need to insure people under very interesting scenarios with different vehicles and with different people. So, so, so we will need to create new solutions for insurance and 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 I'm uh, I'm hoping to be a part of that. I believe our ability to to make AI or machine learning uh, a commodity product just like you know there are so many engines that are in this room right now they are doing their work and I don't even know their presence but somebody put them there. So so the insurance professionals will find the pain points in their processes. And then our aim is to be able to help them answer their questions in a very short time, as opposed to months, in, in weeks, in days, in hours. We are going to be able to create solutions for the predictive problems, and they are going to help make better decisions. Uh, another another dream I have is enterprise-wide AI for insurance. So so as opposed to you know lots of data means privacy and uh, security issues with data. So so people don't want their data to be shared. Uh, the problem with UBI uh, and telematics is uh, if you get my data, how do I know that it's going to be used not against me but for me? So uh, to, to to benefit me, right? So 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 we want to have uh, reshareable models as opposed to data. So, so across different uh, insurance business units for sales and marketing, for finance, for, for underwriting, there will be different models and those models will talk with each other as opposed to data. Uh, and, and that's a huge vision. So, 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 so this will mean communication 
within the insurance company without being scared of who shares what data because models are much easier to explain. They have much less risk than sharing data because with the, with the models, you know what they do. If you have explanations with the model, then then what you're sharing. Uh, and uh, and not only within insurance companies. So 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 this is this is really just breaking down the silos like having much clearer communication for the benefit of the company, not just for a department, for the benefit of the whole company. Sharing models is my vision. And, and another vision is to have, uh, to have users uh, know what they are sharing. So, so, so if, I have, uh, if I have my sensor data on my car, maybe I don't want the sensor data to be shared. I just want some predictions about my behavior to be shared. Uh, and, and I have control over what's shared with me about me with the insurance company. So, 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 so things like edge computing and having more lightweight AI, more environmentally responsible AI. These are all things that we are addressing right now. We have the technology to address it. So, so continuous learning and explainable AI and human in the loop, those three technology advances will lead to huge things. And, and and those are just some of them that I can think of right now. But, you know, people like you guys, you know, I'm sure you have more vision than I do. I, I'm just learning insurance. And, and you guys are disrupting insurance. No, we're, we're, all, we're all in the same boat together right now. But it's been a really, really great discussion. We do need to move on to our news. And Rob's got some good news stories. I've got a couple. And uh, so, Zara, just stick with us for a second. We've got we to gotta, we gotta cover this and then wrap up. Rob, what do you have? The, the and, and by the way, Zara, thank you so much. Awesome conversation. Um, really, really enjoyed this, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna just have a quick chat uh, with you uh, about what's going on in the news. Rob, what do you have going on right, uh, this week? Yeah, no, really um, excited about your vision for the the futures era and, and what you guys got going on at Tazi AI. So thanks for for joining us. So yeah, just a couple of quick news hits from the week. Probably the biggest news item this week was two hundred and fifty million dollar Series D for uh, Next Insurance. So congrats to Guy Goldstein and the folks over there. Uh, big news in uh, Crunchbaits and, and other outlets. And uh, you know, there was some talk about kind of following in the footsteps of Hippo and, and Root and, uh, you know, talk about the Lemonade IPO. So, you know, we've kind of seen this this movie before, but, you know, yet another success story for kind of InsurTech. So definitely check out Next Insurance. And then... Uh, it was a report in the insurance journal this week. It was neither confirmed nor denied by representatives at MetLife that they are looking to sell their PNC auto and home insurance business. And this is a really big deal. Obviously, MetLife really big in the life insurance space, as you might imagine. Actually, recently acquired a, a pet insurance uh, company or, or launched a pet. I don't know exactly how it works at the beginning of this year. So it's kind of interesting that you're introducing pet insurance and you're actually potentially looking to divest your auto and home insurance book. So if that actually happens, it would definitely be a big deal in the marketplace because they're not uh, a small player by any means. Yeah. And uh, on, on my side, since you mentioned Lemonade, their stock price has dropped pretty precipitously from their peak. Uh, it's interesting to see what's happening. Of course, tech in general has taken a hit, so you might have to factor that out. They Their stock peaked at $85 a share, and it's currently trading at $50 right now. And so they're they're down um, about 35 uh, to 40%, depending on the day, from their peak stock valuation. And of course, some of this has to do with financial guidance they're issuing, and they're, of course, finding the brutal reality of being a publicly held company is the, the uh, there is a focus on this thing called profitability, 
that that is that's, that's really really important to the public markets in particular in, in in difficult times. Now, I would say you probably need to you probably need to consider that the entire that a lot of tech has been hit fairly hard, and so they may just be getting lumped in with the rest of tech. I think investors are pretty savvy with Lemonade and understand that there's going to be a uh, a, a much bigger play coming in the in the future. Also, in the news cycle, uh, you know, of course, Root Insurance uh, was tipped by Reuters to be prepping uh, an IPO. So that's something you know. And I'm I'm a big fan of Reuters news, and so there you, you'll see some more of these. And we're going to what, what's going to happen is we're going to continue to see um, some market validation on on you know what private equity values a company at versus what the public markets are going to be willing to value. Uh, an insure tech company ad, and those, that's a really important because that's gonna that's gonna backflow into the private equity markets on the valuation deals. If the if the public deals are not um, supported by the by you know then then you can imagine valuations will come down in the private market. Um, also, in Lemonade News, Lemonade is entering France. So, uh, just a little side note that was uh, reported on the fifteenth uh, of September. That they uh, plan to enter France, they're gonna they're gonna keep pushing for global expansion. Obviously, they have to keep pushing for revenue growth. So, again, we're rooting for Lemonade. We want them to be successful. We are talking about this. We, we remember we we are rooting for all insured tech to be successful. We want the valuations to be high. We want the market to support it. We also want companies to be profitable. Right, profitability, especially once you go IPO, you, you've got you've got to reach profitability fairly quickly, or the market punishes you. And so, um, just please understand the context of this. That we want, I, we want Lemonade to be successful. We want Root to be successful. We want these IPOs to to go well because it's gonna it's gonna bode well for all the funding rounds that are occurring in the private market as well. So that it's just some in, interesting news around InsureTech in general because there's there's quite a few other companies that would like to IPO in the next year to year and a half, and the market needs to support support that. So that's just the uh, little smattering of news that I saw. As it relates to InsureTech, pretty pretty good week. Obviously, in broader news, I mean, what isn't news these days? Uh, it, it is it is a I would almost call this like an overhyped news cycle. Like we're, like it's everything's big news. There's no boring days. There's no slow days. It is a it's a it's a very interesting time. We have a Supreme Court nomination going on. We have you know, more police news. And then, then obviously there's a presidential election. Of course, there's a lot of local and state elections. And I, I want to remind you that a lot of state governors, you know, appoint insurance commissioners. And so with, with, you know, with political change and turmoil comes change and turmoil in the insurance markets too. So don't, don't, don't feel like you can just stick your head in the sand and ignore who's getting elected because, you know, the, the people that regulate the insurance markets Get get appointed as a result of a lot of these elections, and that has a big impact on our ability to expand and write business and build technology and and function in these markets. And so, really dynamic time right now. I think that's the the nicest way to call it a dynamic time. But but certainly a lot to follow, Rob. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. So, uh, election will be here right around the corner. And and you're right. I'm I'm glad that you call that out. You know. Obviously, ton of focus on the presidential election, understandably so. But yeah, those state and local elections matter. I know you were previously on, on city council there in College Station, and yeah, it's interesting. You know, definitely appointments, but there's there's also elected insurance commissioners. I know California, for instance, has an elected insurance commissioner as well. So, yeah, I just encourage folks to get out there and vote and to make sure that you do your homework and research all the 
the, the races because they all have an impact. And uh, obviously, you know, new voting rules in terms of whether it's, you know, mail or early voting, it depends on what state you're in and all that. So I think you have to spend a little extra time to uh, make sure you know what the rules are in your location. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, and you know, it's crazy that October is right around the corner. We're already in Q4. I keep telling people that, you know, the the year is slow, but the you know, can't get over this year enough. But the days are going by fast. So I think that's a, a reality for most of us. So 2021 will be here before we know it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Zara, yes, absolutely, Zara. I was just going to ask your opinion. Yeah. So, so I, I did work uh, on stock market prediction, you know, as, as an academician, and I know it's just such a hard thing to predict. So, but but I want to comment on uh, profitability. I worked, we worked with a gentleman from Sompo, Japan. Actually, they were our first insurance customers, and and you know, he helped so much in terms of developing our product. Uh, And uh, once he told me, uh, if you are going to do a fraud model, forget about a fraud model. Like you're not going to have labeled fraud data. You should look at your profitability model. So so we developed uh, profitability and growth micro-segmentation models for for detection and also for prediction. So, so, So as an insurance company, uh, you actually need to find out while things are happening, not two or three months down the road, while things are happening, uh, you need to figure out where are you exactly losing money. So, so, so if you say to a company, oh, you are not profitable, you are not really saying anything. I mean, I, I was once talking with a psychiatrist uh, on autism, and, and he said, if you tell a parent your child has autism, there is not much that they can do. But if you tell them uh, your child has difficulty communicating, uh, especially verbal communication, then they ha- they know what to do. The insurance is just like that. So 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 just you know if machine learning can our models can actually exactly pinpoint where you are losing money, and you are losing even more money in time exactly where and 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 when you know that you know where your problem is whether you know it's a pricing problem whether it's a competition problem whether it's your agency or it's a fraud or something else. So, so, so I really think companies should look at uh, where they are losing money, where they are seeing losses with AI and, and try to find out uh, solutions that will solve exactly the pain you know, not, instead of just taking general measures. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that. And I'm, I'm so happy with the investments, obviously, lots of invest- investing is needed if you want to develop technology. And, and, I, and I hope that uh, Lemonade and other guys, they, they all do well. Because I, because I think insurance and finance, they are both very, very important industries for, for, for continuing our life, basically. You know, like so many things depend on them. So, so hopefully, things will get better, hopefully. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today, uh, Zara. I appreciate you. And Rob, as always, great to see you. All right, so, first, James. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has Take been care. the InsureTech Geek Podcast, uh, powered by JB Knowledge. It's all about technology. It's transforming and insur- disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. Thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Daltonaro, our creative producer, and Adela Waldeck, our transcriptionist. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next time.